welcome to the run-in. It's going to be a bit of a special episode today. Will, would you like to tell everyone where we are? Okay, we are currently in the departure lounge of Huangshu Airport at 7.43 in the morning. I am feeling a little ropey. It's very early. And we're here because uh, there's been the World Cup final going on over the last few days. Um, we're three races going on, the middle distance, the sprint and the sprint relay. And I'm sure you've seen, not without controversy, this um, World Cup. I think there were some critics initially, like when it was decided that we we're going to go here and then lots of um, some issues, as I'm sure um, we will explain. First race was the middle distance in what can basically be described as a jungle. Um, Will, you were out running in it. Can you describe what the terrain was like for for those people listening who, who maybe haven't seen pictures or haven't seen the map? So I would, I would probably describe the terrain as a mixture between um, ornamental botanical gardens, banana plantations um, mixed with some small slum-like villages, really close alleyways, slightly high-rise three-storey um, buildings, and um, some runnable forest, not too much, but it was, uh, um, yeah, it was quite nice. It's quite unique, that you know, combination of almost sprint orienteering combined with Parco and Forresto. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty unique. Um, good fun. The forest is really quite thick, so you thought you were going to go through some white forest you'd hit a load of green you'd struggle to get through it but it was a, it was a nice combination of stuff I enjoyed it oh I'm glad I found it really tough to be honest pre-running through there and the steep bits like felt really steep you're like falling down some mm. slopes yeah, yeah. or you were um, trying to climb up the slopes and like grabbing onto branches but they were like dead trees and then they just fall down and then you'd like be falling down the down the slope as well um, yeah so really like hilly course but a lot of as you're expecting a lot of route choice involving going out to a track and choosing that that long route rounds there and then nipping into the forest at the last moment you could go straight on some stuff but the problem is if you went straight you generally got caught out by something you'd either get caught, caught in a bush or caught in a little bamboo that was just straight ahead of you or there there's a lot of pits not marked on the map which were really quite deep and quite dangerous mm-hmm. so you'd you'd come across those and then have to go around them as well so it's really quite slow going if you dig go straight through the forest if you didn't get lucky and and find a good elephant track or or something to follow an animal track or something like that so the first four controls were all in the forest they were they were really actually maybe maybe looking back they were some of the easiest controls that we had um because that section of forest was actually relatively runnable the mm-hmm. stuff later on like you say that we had to jump out onto the tracks for was really a uh, really a lot tougher and that's where it became a bit more of a long sprint style course where you just had to pick the track you wanted to go on and and go on that so less kind of navigation more pick a route choice and go yeah so i i chatted to some of the team over the last few days about their thoughts on the middle distance so let's say hear some of those the forest stuff i guess we got the impression that the forest is not always quite super nice so you want to run around if you can and maybe the map isn't always quite as 100% as could be expected so just be confident and uh, attack the controls and not really worry about what's going on in the forest too much. 
Cecilia, you were the only woman on the British team to run the middle distance race. What's from the middle distance, from the like from the model terrain, did you learn about the terrain and therefore how did you, in your orienteering, approach the course? I think my plan was to run on the pass as much as possible because any time you went in the forest it was just pretty grim, hard going and like the map wasn't always that representative of how tough it was. So I guess that was like my approach for the course. And when you say tough, what do you mean by that? Well, I got stuck in some forests at one point and I was just on like this little elephant track and then it disappeared and there was just like a jungle, to be honest. (laughs) Did you manage to keep it reasonably clean? No. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Um, Just everything went wrong. I was counting up afterwards. I think I was like close to 15 minutes of time losses. So one of my worst races in a while. I think I was just trying to forget about it. (laughs) So this is your second World Cup competition, having also run it in Switzerland this year. How are the World Cup races different to ones you've run before? It's just very different to Britain in the fact that there's so many really good people sometimes you get in there's like a sprint race in Britain that you know that if you make a small small mistake in a sprint race you just drop down places like a few seconds or be a few places and it's all the same thing here but like you get that even more so and also in the forest events like you can lose 30 seconds and that's like five ten places so yeah it puts a lot more pressure on like navigating well the whole time and just all those small time losses that you can sometimes get away with in British events you just can't really in a World Cup so so you've done these two World Cups now uh, what are you going to take are there any things you're going to particularly be working on over the winter season well my plan for now is just do a few months of lots of running cross country and then I guess after Christmas and stuff start trying to plan some races to do uh, like up towards the JK and stuff But the middle distance will also be remembered for some less positive reasons, putting it mildly, um, with um, particularly on the men's course, there was this route choice that involved one of the options was going through this olive green out of bounds area that had a track marked in it. And uh, initially eight athletes were disqualified for going through this particular leg, four to five, and then jumping between the tracks and going across this olive green out of bounds but all runners apart from one went in this olive green tracks in this olive green out of bounds that were if you're thinking about the latest map specification were supposedly impassable so everybody went in the out of bounds apart from one person Um, and then eventually a couple of days after the race the jury made the decision to reinstate all of the runners so I mean one option was to completely avoid the race one option was to um, disqualify those runners who obviously on the GPS went through there there were also some other questions about other runners including the winner Gustav Berman going through um, Olive Green at the very end and eventually that decision was made to reinstate all the runners 
and let the results stand as it was and count for the World Cup. Um, and needless to say, this has caused a lot of discussion um, amongst the athletes for a lot of the competition. Yeah, so effectively the last four days has been filled with various <laughs> arguments from various people uh, about whether the race should be, should be voided, whether that single control, control five, should be taken out, whether everyone who crossed the olive green at control five should be disqualified or whether everyone who crossed olive green should be disqualified and just one person should be uh should be given the result and fair play to uh nitsan yasur from israel he was the only guy in the whole of the men's race not to cross any olive green so on the map you had several there's a lot of tracks going through olive green markings but um what was un- unaware to us as athletes that only olive the only tracks going through olive green that had white shading behind it could be passed so we all effectively went out of bounds twice on our leg 17 for the men um i don't think the women had that leg so none of them were guilty of crossing the bounds there there might have been some others elsewhere but the men are clearly dirty cheats and the women squeaky clean because there's not been anything that's come out of the women's race about it at all um yet um so effectively i think i count a total of and, and, and it's whether the map is just not fit for purpose or whether um, it wasn't up to, and not up to spec or people were give, some people were given the wrong information by their coaches that it was crossable, that Olive Green was crossable when it wasn't. Some people made genuine mistakes that they just didn't see it on the map. There's a whole host of things have gone on during the men's race from different people. I don't think any of it intentional. Mm. Um, uh, but it's, it resulted in the fact that a... Um, you know we've got all this uh, essentially yeah argument and people being chastised and called out in quite um, harsh ways by by some quarters which I think is a bit unnecessary really considering that um, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully that it, it's you know no no one is trying to gain an unfair advantage by doing this they are simply well I hope they're not. They're simply making a genuine mistake. So I personally went out of bounds four times on the course, twice on leg 17, um, I think once on leg five, where I went on a path that wasn't marked on the map in olive green that the the mapper chose not to put on, but was in existence and was no different to the path that was on the map. Mm. Um, so, and, and I know other people did that as well. Um, so that that was kind of no fault of my own, and then I and I got caught up by a Swede late in the race, and in oxygen debt I followed him through a very obvious bit of olive green, and then was met by an organised uh, placed watcher on the other side of the olive green and expected to be disqualified, and the watchers did absolutely nothing. So uh, there's not a lot you can do when you when you look dead in the eye of a uh, of a watcher of the olive green and you go right well I'm going to be disqualified I'll carry on with the course and they don't disqualify you it's a bit of a um, bleep show yeah let's go for that uh, I mean from what it seems to be for me like there's no ideal solution to this no there's no no there's it, there's going to be people who are unhappy with the decision, whatever, you know, if it changes with the decision that's been made, whatever the decision would be. Um, for me, and I think this is what a lot of the discussion comes down to, is that the map wasn't good enough. Um, yes, a map's never going to be 100%, 
because it's all it's a lot of it's about interpretation and you know make some very small mistakes but here actually it was quite basic the specification wasn't correct you know there were things actually that were wrong with the map not just interpretation and how that map could be approved through whatever you know the channels that are put in place to ensure that this is a high quality event for whatever reason that didn't happen and when you've got a world cup in somewhere like china you need to make sure that the you know the highest level of scrutiny is being taken in order to ensure that there is a fair race as fair race as possible and i think that is where it kind of fell down for me and and i think there were also similarly mapping problems with less the sprint relay but also the sprint as well where some alleyways of a certain size were mapped and some weren't there seemed to be inconsistencies and that's really i think like when you're having a world cup out in china that's really where the scrutiny needs to take place i mean in in all sorts of places but especially with the map yeah definitely and and especially the sprint as well i i got caught out by a couple of alleyways which either weren't mapped or were deemed to be impassable by the organizers but were then of no size different they were meant to be anything less than 60 centimeters in width was meant to be out of bounds but then i certainly went down alleyways which were 62 centimeters in width and were suddenly inbounds and there was no physical difference in in me being able to run down one than the other and i spoke to um one of the advisors after my race and he said wow yeah it's pretty ambiguous the uh, the difference between the two is like yeah that's a problem yeah because if i go up an alleyway and then kind of look up go right there's the alley i'm going for but granted they had tape over them saying you couldn't go across but you don't see the tape until you get there mm. so you think i'm going to go there you stop you look okay i can't get through that one i'll have to go on but that wastes some seconds and in a world cup sprint race a few seconds is the difference between a, a gold medal and a silver medal as we saw it's two seconds between gold and silver in the men's race so Mm. It, it, I mean, it makes a massive difference to people's results and um, and people's seasons as well and where they finish in the World Cup. So it's really important that, I mean, this is the basic principle of orienteering is you need to, it, it's running with a map. Mm-hmm. The map needs to be correct. Yeah. If it's not correct, then then you're doing something wrong. But it's, I mean, it's obviously hard for emerging countries to have the same level of expertise as as Britain and you know, Sweden and Norway, but as a basic principle for a World Cup event, you would expect the IOF to get it right. And if they're not getting it right, then why are we, as athletes, paying entry money into a race that isn't fit for purpose? Because we're, none of us are really getting paid for this, certainly in the British team. No, we're not professional athletes. We're doing this out of the goodness You're of our heart. You, from your own pocket. Uh, from our own pocket, you know, we're, we're using our holiday from work for some of us to come on this trip to race because we want to race and want to be as good as we can and then we're met with a race in the middle distance that could have been completely voided mm. which I, I personally think it probably should have been voided um, or or you know and, and, and no possible results from it and it's just a bit of a joke really Well let's hear from Ralph Street about what he made of the situation the Athletes Commission had a meeting to discuss principally the men's middle distance results. Um, some runners were disqualified initially 
and there was a jury decision and the jury reinstated the athletes. Um, and it's fair to say that there isn't universal agreement amongst the athletes on what the right course of action is. Um, the jury said themselves they've taken what they believe is the least worst decision. It's fair to say that not all the athletes agree with the jury's decision. So, but, so what are you doing from, from now going forwards as a result of that? Um, well, the, the agreement that the athletes had with, the one thing we did agree on was um, that we need to make sure this never happens again. Um, and that we discussed actions for what we can do as athletes to show how we feel how unacceptable this uh, situation is. Um, such as, well, there's going to be a survey going around to the athletes where they can, um, uh, they'll answer some questions about what they think happened and what they think the fairest result should have been according to the athletes and there's also going to be some feedback towards uh, various interest important people such as the IOF council the mapping commission the photo commission um, probably athletes will feed back to their federations as well but um, this is completely unacceptable basically other than that how's your time in China been yeah it's been good I mean uh, I think orienteers always uh, like to discuss things and over-discuss them, so at least we're all now discussing the same thing. Um, but no, it's been fantastic. I mean, it's, I know I've been here. It's an amazing place. Um, just so different to anything I've ever been in, both in the forest and in the in the sprint as well so uh, very cool orienteering experience haven't really seen much Chinese culture I guess um, so yeah, I need to come back at some point definitely right let's move on to the sprint relay um, which was in this like uh, TV movie town basically it's a big big sets built for um, built for fil filming but quite touristic as well like big open you know, place looking like the Forbidden City and then some smaller streets. On the like like leading side of the competition though, in terms of with the medals, it was quite a dramatic race with um, Switzerland eventually winning. How, how was it for, for the British team? So we had, um, so what, one full team made up of Charlotte, Charlotte Cecilia and Pete and Ralph. They were pretty good. I think they finished about eighth or ninth in the end, I think. Eighth. Eight. Thank you, Kevin. And then it was a pretty close sprint finish between a few teams um, coming down to the wire. But yeah, it's really quite exciting. It was really different to what I was actually expecting it to be. The model map that we had that was next to the hotel was a really hilly, very intricate temple. But this was a lot more, well, like you say, a film set, so it was incredibly sanitised and really actually quite open so yeah lots of open spaces yeah and it, so it's a, a far more a route choice sprint than actually really technical navigation sprint so very different to the individual as well so it was really kind of full speed all the time you couldn't if you made a mistake or if you had a long gaffle then you you kind of got pushed to the back of the group and, and had to catch up or well, try to catch up but the speed was so high all the time because it was so runnable because it was actually not too difficult navigationally that um uh, yeah, it made it really quite tough to close the gap if you actually made any mistakes. But I think it was really good fun. My team, we had a uh, we had a Russian girl on first leg, and then myself, and then Ben Mitchell. 
personally I made a, a couple of bad route choices um, on the longer legs that we had out from the uh, arena to the first control and then from the spectator control out around a, a massive hill again so that kind of put a bit pay to my uh, hopes of a good time and having the I'd like to say I've had all of the long gaffles as well <laughs> I was going to put that excuse in there for every single relay runner who, who always says they have the long gaffles World Cup sprint relays are always incredibly uh, hectic and I mean there are 49 teams on yeah. the start list yeah yeah they're incredibly hectic and uh, intense things so there's always someone that you're racing against and uh, we're like kind of trying to elbow to get a better line around the corner so it's uh, yeah incredibly good fun and one of the kind of tense moments of the season I think is the uh, the pen when you're waiting for your first leg runners to come in <laughs> on sprint relays is yeah really good buzz from everyone like in that pen and um, psyching themselves up yeah, yeah psyching themselves up and kind of jostling to be first on the changeover line and things like that so no it's a really really fun experience doing the World Cup sprint relay and uh, yeah no, it's, it's enjoyable um, so yeah, let's, uh, I think we've chatted to some of the, the British athletes about that, so let's get to some of their thoughts. Kirsten, your first time in China. Um, what was the experience like? Was it as you expected? Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that some bits were kind of a lot better than expected. I kind of, because I'd been, I'd just heard a lot of rumours maybe from people who don't travel as much and things and kind of expected there would be like people getting ill all the time and the food to be really different and it just be kind of so feel so far away from home but it was all quite civilised and all good but yeah I, I don't think I quite understood how many people would want to take a picture of us for the way we looked um, without without any sort of consent like almost wanting to lie in front of you and yeah it was interesting <laughs> um how how were the races for you well actually let's talk first about like the, the prep for races how how did you how much did you learn from doing things like model, the model events and some trainings that you were able to do there um it was really good on the first um day we full day we had there we went to relevant training and it really showed what it was going to be like but it was really hard that day to go at any pace it was just a case of getting into it but I'm really glad we did that because it was um, just really relevant it, it just even from like from looking at the maps before you can like plan where you think what courses would be like but you don't actually see the map as it is on the ground so you, you kind of imagine it in British or European style and then you actually get there and you realise how narrow some of the alleyways are um, even just things like the water is not just a nice pond it's like a really dirty like horrible water like stagnant water and it's just yeah just learning learning the mapping uh, the model event I don't really think was very relevant but it was a cool place so that was quite nice um, but we also the British team went and did an extra training um, on the day between the two sprints and I think that was again really good because it was just another go at um, the that terrain. But I think what would have been really good would have been to uh, to race in that terrain. So obviously that wasn't really an option. But you know you can do training a bit faster. But actually being in a race in environment and just knowing that it's okay to go a bit slower. And I, I know I told myself that, but. It just felt so bitty and yeah. 
So you, did you feel like you had a significant disadvantage not having been here before? Um, yes, but I think a lot of people had that disadvantage, so I can't really say that's like people cope with, coped with it better, I think. Uh, How did your races go? The sprint relay was first for you? Uh, yeah, the sprint relay. Um, so the leg I was running changed very short notice before, um, but I'd originally wanted to run first. Um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed with how I did. Um, I went out quite hard because I started right on the back row, right in the corner, which was kind of the worst place to be standing <laughs> for where we were going. So, yeah, I went out really quite hard. Um, and I had the long gaffle on the first gaffle, and so that kind of then put me back down a bit. And then I had a hesitation just after that. And it's amazing how many people pass you when you hesitate in a sprint relay, and I think I just need to have the confidence to just let go a little more and kind of go with the flow a little bit um, but then yeah I just kind of hit a big like metaphorical kind of wall um, around halfway and I just re- yeah I think it might have been like heat everything but I did start very fast and I think yeah, it was the that was not a pleasant after after spectator um, so yeah I was I was disappointed because I know I can do better than that and I kind of got a chance to do it and didn't justify yeah so I I feel like I'd done quite a lot of work and I knew I was in good shape and didn't get the performance so it's kind of back to working hard <laughs> let's move on to the sprint now which was on Tuesday in Songtang Village and um, before we launch into this in general discussion let's find out what some of the, the rest of the team thought about that one I think it went okay obviously not the best run I've ever done but I think it's quite hard to actually really run well here I think I'm mostly disappointed because I did make a big mistake near the end which is stupid but as I discussed previously in Switzerland I haven't done a lot of sprint training so it's probably an expectation that when I get tired I'm going to make these stupid decisions so it's just a reflection on the lack of sprint training I've done you hesitate a lot in this terrain but I think everyone does, basically. How do you feel that um, the, like, the model events and the training maps you've had the opportunity to run on have prepared you for, for the sprint and also for like the forest stuff as well? Well, for the sprints, I guess you got the impression very quickly these are very small alleyways, um, and then it's just developing a strategy for dealing with these many decision points all the time and trying to learn when you get out of the tricky stuff and run round and try and make it as simple for yourself as possible and when it's worth running through. The sprint was much better than the middle. I think I'd sort of got the middle out of my head and I've done a lot more sprint training recently so I felt a bit more comfortable, sort of knew what I was doing for that. The sprint training I've done at home is like definitely not relevant terrain but just you have the same sort of like pressure trying to read the map while you're running fast and trying to like stay on top of things and picking the route choice and stuff like even if it's a different type of like sprint terrain it's still like the same sort of thought processes yeah that makes sense it's still it's still orienteering at the end of the day um and i heard you were doing some training and lots of dogs were involved tell me more (laughs) so on the rest day we went out to Um, all the British team went on a bus which in itself was (laughs) scary 
the driving in China is a bit different to Britain. Um, and we went to this sprint terrain, which was meant to be the most relevant for the individual sprint. And it was just this quite rural, villagey thing. On the jog to the start kite, which was about 100 metres from the bus, me and Kirsten had two dogs start chasing us and barking at us. And I don't really mind dogs in Britain, but this was quite scary. <laughs> so luckily me and Kirsten agreed to go around together because I don't think I would have gone out otherwise so we just jogged around the course together and quite a few times we'd hear a dog barking and see it coming running down one of these really narrow alleyways towards us and the immediate reaction was just to like sprint in any direction a few times we ran off the map and had to relocate and come back (laughs) okay dramatic it's a very different experience to running in the UK right yeah definitely I think on the individual sprint I was a bit worried about that beforehand I was like what would I do if I met a dog coming down the alleyway towards me but luckily yeah I think I was too like distracted by the orienteering to really worry about it at the time the sprint terrain was the one that we'd trained in um and it did feel very kind of stop start to begin with but I, I knew it was going to feel like that I was told it was going to feel like that by my coaches and I'd like anticipated that but I, it was going okay it was you know at times you had to stop coming out of places but when I was watching the um, quick end of the field at, at the end on the, the, the screen you could see a lot of other people were doing that, yeah. like basically yeah. everyone. Yeah. So then I was like, actually, what I was doing was right. Yeah, when the start list came out, I thought I'd probably catch some of the girls in front just because of how I'd done compared to them in the sprint relay. And I needed to prepare for what I would do if I, that did happen because obviously it's you can get distracted by that. So I knew what I was going to do if that happened. And then when I did, I caught sight of the girl in front of me coming out of one of the alleyways you went in and then back out close by and I went oh well I must have to turn in soon because she's just come out and I didn't go to where I wanted to turn in so I made like my first kind of big mistake because the alleyway I went up you had to go all the way up to the top to get across a lot of them you could cross quite quickly so it wasn't as bad but that was bad then I concentrated hard on the next few because I knew what that I'd done what I didn't want to do um so that was okay and then spectator you was fine but you then had a run after that to a control and I was like oh this is where I can this is the bit I don't have to orienteer so that's better for me to, to get some run fast but we had decided from the models that we did that actually the places you can make mistakes is when you can run fast again because you don't don't have the concentration that you just kind of run um, and uh, I didn't take a very good route on that leg I climbed up a bank and have to go back down but then and then the next one I did take a okay route but I missed the cut through the forest and then I could see the out of bounds and I knew I didn't want to go in the out of bounds after all the stuff we've been talking about to do with that and so I had a bad leg there and the girls I'd passed kind of got past me again and then I got into the control and I just came out and I just headed the same direction as they did just you know running fast and think you know and all I had to do was turn right and I turned left and I just went with and I was 
you know, I lost kind of like 40 seconds at the end. And if I hadn't done just that one, everyone made mistakes. I would have been, I'd probably still have been a little bit like, oh, that's annoying. But I'd have been a lot more, you know, it would have put me up quite a lot of places. Um, and then it was a run for home and I just ran. But um, <laughs> it was, yeah, I just, I just felt that, again, I had put in quite a lot of work and I'd, I'm capable of a much better performance. So... But this was my first World Cup in over a year, um, so I guess I'm kind of. It was good to get the international experience again, and it's going to be a sprint year next year. So, um, kind of have not done as much orienteering this year. So, I know what I need to work on. <laughs> Same things that distractions, you know. Like I can do it, and I need to trust myself. And that's just be confident in my in myself. Like I was there, and I caught those people. So. I should have been focusing on me but yeah there's lots of motivation to go away yeah work on this over the winter yeah, get yeah. it back in time for the spring and summer yeah. sprint it's, a, it's a long time yeah. till, till spring and anything can happen you know you can get a lot fitter and you can work on these things and yeah I've definitely got key things to work on so it's, it's been a positive experience even if I, I need to take the positives because I'm very good at taking negatives and yeah there's it's been good and it's been a really good team as well. So. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's been nice to kind of be in the team hotel with everyone else and all the other nations and have that good atmosphere on this World Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've quite a lot of the ones I've been to, we've been all like spread out, we've been always kind of rushing around, and to be honest, the ones which are closer because I work full time. I kind of leave early quite a lot or come late so for me to actually be there for the entire thing was probably quite a new experience um, and it, yeah we, I felt like we were like it was a real I guess we didn't have anyone managing us so we had to kind of all muck in and just kind of like look after ourselves a little bit but I felt like everyone kind of looked out for each other and yeah it was yeah it was good. I think most people find this one really, really tough, um, probably more as expected, but um, kind of, a, I think, quite a frustrating experience and it feels, feels like a, getting a different feeling to how you would sprint in, um, in the UK. Yeah, in the UK, certainly, it's, it's incredibly different to university campuses and, and the light that we have over there, but I felt it was quite, well, it should have been quite similar to... Um, any Mediterranean kind of hilltop town um, in Italy or Malta, where Mock's been the last few years, um, that some people have gone out and, and raced at. So it didn't feel like it should have been too unfamiliar, but I think the setting was probably what a person threw, threw me off the most, and, and the mapping style and the mapping as well, just the the way the alleys look, the way the the buildings were shaped you know what you were running through so a couple of the alleyways I went through were a bit slurry filled let's say um, I mean I saw I saw a dead rat at um, one, of the, one of the controls when I pre-ran it okay I didn't see I didn't see a dead rat but it was uh, there's some less than savoury stuff as well so I think Gustav came through the finish having uh, been went through those waist, waist deep in a I don't want to know what. Well, yeah, he stank, whatever it was. <laughs> um, but I, I know what you mean about the alleyways, because pre-running, um, I did this, ran a, a short section, and then suddenly I got to this alleyway, and I was having to check, like, 
is this the correct alleyway? This mm. is so tiny and much smaller than the alleyways that I've been running on in the first part of the map. And now I was expected to go through that. And actually, since me pre-running that section, which was filmed on camera for the program, they made one of those alleyways olive green impassable oh, right. have me having gone down there and we raised some issues about the mapping and also require asking for the um unmapped alleys and the olive green so impassable alleyways to be taped because some of them you know if they weren't mapped you're going to get really confused by there being extra alleys on the ground than you were expecting um mm. yeah yeah no definitely and, and that that caught me out at um our 13th control where I yeah so I went up one early and so I I miscounted the alleyways that I had to go up went up one early was met by the exact alleyway I was expecting to have to go down that was then taped off like ah okay this is olive green and came back down came down the main alleyway and then went back up the next one and then went through the next alleyway that I had to go through but they were exactly the, to me yeah. they're exactly yeah. the same width there was yeah. no difference I was surprised they just they just made one of those alleyways yeah. light green it was very odd um, but it might have been because there were like pipes in it as well I don't know um, and this race again not without controversy with um, Chinese athletes winning the women's and third place on the men's the Chinese athlete who won who was on third place on the men's he was a, the first finisher um, so from my, from my, we, we're looking at this in context of the military games where the Chinese athletes were found to be cheating at the military games. So, of course, that raises a lot of, it, it prompts us to raise a lot of questions. Um, at the moment, there's been a lot of discussion, uh, certainly amongst, amongst people I've been, um, been talking to. But at the moment, nobody has any proof or anything to, to be able to draw any conclusions from and personally I think you can we can discuss as much as we like but until you have any evidence then you can't really do anything yeah and I think it needs for context the um the winner of the women's race has been top 10 at what before yeah she's 2009 yeah 2009 she's an incredibly good runner likely she runs on these maps probably all the time they've been doing specific training for this it's a home world cup they're they're obviously going to put in the work and I know that in the past that she's not been allowed out of the country to compete at walks in the last couple of years. So it might be that a lot of the athletes haven't been allowed out to compete against mm-hmm. us in World Cups in walk. So they haven't had the chance to show how good they are. Um, and certainly she has a pedigree at Park World Tour races mm-hmm. of, of beating incredibly good people. Um, like Natalia Gampella and um, Galina Vinogradova, so um, there there is a a history of good results there. Um, there there was a lot of discussion around quite how well they were doing um, yesterday, particularly um, and having um, run with a next to a um, a Chinese team in the sprint relay, they were. They were very good at picking their routes and and um, and recognising when they had to go off off minimal map looks. But they, you know, they're likely to have uh, to have run in this style of stuff before and and all of that. But yeah, the, the, there's a lot of discussion going around with quite how 
impressive the number of Chinese athletes was in the men's race particularly yeah particularly like the first split yeah for the first split I mean they were already 15 seconds up after two minutes of running Oh, which is big, yes. Which is which is quite a lot. There's and this a, is against the best in the world. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of video clips out there as well of, of of them starting, taking one look at the map, and then not looking at it again for the next kind of 200 meters. So you can go onto Twitter and find those videos and and look at them. But yeah, I mean, but for me that there's 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 no proof if they've cheated then they've cheated better than the people at the military games because they haven't found been found out i mean yeah yeah if if they have if they have and i i don't like the idea of just just pointing fingers because of the military games because that is a completely different um set of people as far as far as i know um it's a different um organizing body and and all of that jazz so i don't want to to point any fingers at any chinese athletes for for that and and I think it's quite it's incredibly unsavory what has been thrown around on social media over the last few days regarding the Chinese team and um and not letting them host events pe- pe- people coming out and saying don't host events here you know the IOF throwing money at, at China they shouldn't be doing this and kind of calling people out with without you know much proof and especially from people who, who haven't aren't who, who aren't here and haven't yeah. haven't been experiencing it haven't seen things and you know don't have the knowledge that the runners here do have whether that's through people starting attack point threads you know just kind of dropping a bomb going what do you reckon about that or people just wading in on a comment thread on facebook or something i think we need to get away from just blaming wholeheartedly you know it is a cultural problem mm. however again it is a bit unusual. Well, one, they're, they're very fast athletes. They're clearly very fast. Everyone who's run with them this week has, has said how fast the runners they are physically. Yeah. However, you know, physicality only gets you so far. I mean, I'm not a bad runner, and I made some, some shockers in the sprint and finished way down the field. So to, to consistently just be pumping in the results, yeah, maybe there's something suspicious, but... I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see if anything comes out of it. I don't know if uh, it's unlikely they saw the courses beforehand, like they did in uh, like it sounds like they did in World Military Games. But yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, we will wait and see. Um, so that was that's the end of the World Cup series, the four competitions that have been going on this summer. Next year's World Cup will be taking uh, runners to places like Switzerland again, to Estonia for the European Championships, Denmark for the World Championships, and to Italy as well. Those four um, competitions are going to be part of the World Cup. A lot of the British athletes are now staying on for the Park World Tour, and Duncan Birtwistle has been... Uh, pre-running and stuff uh, as part of that and is going to also be staying on and competing as Park World Tour so he let us know his thoughts on what he's been up to this last couple of days So I've been helping out at the World Cup race I'm part of the Park World Tour crew who are, aren't running the World Cup but are doing the Park World Tour which follow, follows this so I've pre-run the uh, sprint relay and the sprint How were you asked to do that? <laughs> Part of coming on Park World Tour, a lot of it is it's for free, so a bit of, bit of labour in exchange for a free hotel is uh, it's a no, no big deal. Pre-running, what does that mean? 
So a few, about three hours before the first athlete start, we got a copy of the map, we got GPS on and went through the start procedure and then took the courses that the athletes will be running behind us. It's just like checking for any issues, checking if the map's correct, if there's anything which has changed, anything which might need taping or making clear to athletes before they start in the few, in the few hours remaining. So of the two races you pre-ran, what was your favourite? Uh, definitely today's sprint race. Um, really technical and a bit physical as well, up and down. Tight medieval streets, um, lots of steps, and you had to really like, zoom in on your map to try and find the best route through. And um, so then did you have any like comments to make after running that or any you had to go out and tape some tape some things or check some of the tape? So yeah, this morning we had to uh, do a bit of extra taping of some cultivated land which had out of bounds and a couple of narrow gaps between the buildings which weren't on the map but were a few centimetres wide in real life. So we did a bit of taping about 10 minutes before the first start, but it was all okay, no one noticed. And then, and then they put you to work on the actual start itself. Yeah, I've, I haven't helped out from a club for a while, so I'll, I'll help out World Cup on the start for four hours. <laughs> and so then you're going on to do more Park World Tour stuff straight after this? So yeah, after this we fly out of here on Wednesday tomorrow, and then there are about five Park World Tour races over the next week and a half in like three cities across China. So there are about probably seven or eight Brits doing, doing these races with a load of other um, with foreigners as well. And that should be really exciting. What kind of terrain do you know what you're going to be facing? Well, it's called the Park World Tour, so it's all sprint races. And I've heard, yeah, a bit of rumours like Parkland, but also some, some medieval streets as well. So it should be a good mix and, yeah, high standard of racing. And good atmosphere around Park World Tour, right? Yeah, totally. I'm not sure how many athletes there are, but there's a quite a number going around. And Duncan also wanted to plug the UK Elite O League as well. We'll be launching the UK Elite O-League 2020 in a few weeks' time once we've nailed down the last few races. But, yeah, watch out for publicity on that front. We'll uh, announce in a future episode of The Running, so tune in to get all the dates and follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter if you don't already. That's um, everything from China and Park World Tour stuff. Will, what is next? For most people now, it's off-season, so the people going to Park World Tour, they're going to go and try and win win some cash at those races and, and people like Yannick are going to earn their wage for the next few months. I'm back to work tomorrow, which is going to be, you know, frightfully fun and hopefully I'll have uh, had some sleep on the plane. I think that I've realised over the, the last few days that I'm not in a place that I want to be regarding racing. Um, I think physically I'm okay, but mentally I'm not really in a, in a good place to be competing at, at this level at the moment. So I'm going to take a little bit of time away from uh, from orienteering for a few weeks and just um, kind of figure out what uh, what's been going wrong and um, just uh, just enjoy my running and and put in some good training and do some cross countries and uh, hopefully look look forward to next season and uh, see what we can do about it and we'll also get around planning uh, some of the interviews coming up on yes. uh, next few episodes of the podcast hoping to get uh, like different insights into the world of orienteering from different people um, around the world and with different involvements with the sports. So uh, stay tuned for the upcoming podcast as well. We'll be back very soon.